All right, you punks, break this up. Top of the morning, Officer Shrank. You're looking snazzy. What's new, gumshoe? Enough of your period-appropriate slang. I told you punks that you can't hang around the drugstore reviewing movies. Now hit the bricks. You may be a good-looking guy, but you can be such a square. Yeah, we're just reviewing classic movies. Wait, good-looking? A man can compliment another man on his looks. I don't care if you negotiate world peace. I want you out of here. Fine, we'll scram, but I'll miss your beautiful blue eyes. Yeah, I mean, I won't miss your eyes, but we will leave. We got a rumble with a couple other reviewers to get to. Hey, you know what would be weird? What? If you fell in love with one of them rival reviewers' sisters. Or one of them rival reviewers. Sure. What a Romeo and Juliet situation that would be. Or Romeo and Romeo. Is there something you want to tell me? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, this movie has a reputation so great that some jerk's gonna remake it. Uh, some jerk named Steven Spielberg, my friend. Some jerk's gonna remake it. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> And I'm so turning on my fan because it's 109. Ah. And I have no air conditioning in this house. So at some point, you're going to hear me go, and then, uh, and then be like, I'll fall on the floor. If there's any truth to our friendship, Steve will cry. Okay. I'll, so look I'll forward to that. <laughs> hey, you know where else I bet it would be really hot this time of year? Where? New York City. New York City. Yeah. Way to bring us back. From my weird I thought I, I, I saw an opportunity and I, I jumped on What movie are we going to be reviewing this time around, Steve? Oh, we are reviewing that film adaptation of that classic Broadway musical, uh-huh. West Side Story. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, dun, 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 when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way and this isn't really a song, but people remember it. Seriously, when we got to that song, I was like, oh, it's that song. And he sings, like, two lines, and then that's it. Then they just start walking and talking. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's barely even. That's like, what is that, one verse? Yeah. It's like a two-minute song. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last To your last dying day. And then they're off walking about something. Yeah, they're dancing. Because technically, this is a dancing movie. It's about dancing. It's more a dancing musical than a singing musical. That's right. Although there is some singing, too. And dancing. And much dancing. And murder. Oh, yeah. And racism. With the blade. Yes, there is There is quite a bit of racism in it. Ooh, ooh, miscegenation. And, and, and premarital sex. Oh, yeah. Or pre-mortuary sex in this case. <laughs> Although, is that is that technically race mixing because they're both white people? It's just one of them yeah, is playing? Yeah, we're going to get to that part yeah. in a second. Hey, Steve. Yeah, do you have my any man. trivia for this movie? I do, no, as a matter of fact. I don't. I understand <laughs> you have a million names to read. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> hey, did you know? Here's here's some trivia about this movie. Okay. Did you know that West Side Story, the movie, is an early victim of the woke brigade? It's true. What? Yeah, it it was a it, it fell prey to political correctness gone mad. Did you know that in the, 1961? The, yeah, 
the original lyrics of the song America were changed for the film due to How concerns was- that they were too harshly anti-Puerto Rican. What would what was changed? political correctness gone mad? Um, well, uh, uh, in the in the original Broadway version, the lyrics were very anti Puerto Rico. It was mostly about how things suck in Puerto Rico, but they're better in America. And of course, mm-hmm. in the film version, it's more about discrimination that oh, yeah. Puerto Rican people experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and so that's where the negativity comes from, not from how shitty things supposedly are in Puerto Rico, but because you come to America and you get. A bunch of racism in your face right. um so they changed it so you know i mean and what what's next i mean we, we, first they changed the lyrics to west side story and what's next they changed the lyrics to racist children's songs i mean name this one is out, racist child children's song i don't know any it's outrageous my like, parents oh, raised me right and didn't teach me a single racist do, children's do you, song. well no they didn't teach you a racist one because by the time you heard it they had changed it so it was less racist do you mean it's not racist at all jimmy crack corn I don't even know what that means. What does that because, mean? Because they didn't tell you about how racist it is. <laughs> oh, oh I got it. Oh, here's the, here's the big one. Here's, here's the, 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 the mother of all racist children's song. You know what okay. it is? No. It's Ten Little, Ten Little Indians. I don't know that song. You, okay, well, <laughs> then you'll trust me when I tell you that the Ten Little Sing Indians. It. Ten Little Indians is. Sing the, the song. Okay, okay. You brought well, it up. Now well, you got to well, sing it. One little, two little, three little Indians, four little, five little, six little Indians, seven uh-huh. little, eight little, nine little Indians, ten little Indian boys. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't that sound racist. too bad, right? That doesn't sound counting. too bad. Originally, it wasn't about Indians. Oh, okay. It was about black people. Okay. And All right. the word they used to refer to the black people was not a very nice word. You grew up in a bad place. I did. I recognize the tune. I don't remember ever singing it. Well, good for you. But anyway, so that's my whole point that, you know, cancel culture, you know? I only remember traditional songs when I was a kid. Oh, like like what? Whitey Reigns Supreme. That's always (laughs) great. (laughs) Oh, you know, those classic children's songs, you know, they're like, you know... (laughs) <laughs> they all look alike to me. You know, songs like that. Shut up because I'm racially pure. That was always a great one. Mm-hmm. Are you done bringing everybody Deutschland über alles. You know, songs that were like, you know. Uh, <laughs> What's next? What, else, what other trivia do you have, Steve? Well, okay. So uh, one of the great stars of this film is, is Rita Moreno, yeah. who, who is actually Puerto Rican. And uh, she has spoken quite frequently over the years about how uncomfortable she was, both physically and just on principle, with the dark makeup that she had to wear and also that the other actors had to wear who were playing Puerto Rican characters. Because the, mm-hmm. the, the producers uh, forced them. They basically were performing in brownface. Yeah. And, uh, and Rita Moreno tells the story about how once she was in the makeup chair and she said something to her makeup artist about it. She said, you know, this is ridiculous. I don't see why I have to wear this. I am actually Puerto Rican and this is not my color. Like, we don't look like this. To which the makeup artist replied, what are you, racist? <laughs> so. I have a story about Rita okay. Moreno. Okay, what's your... St- oh, I, oh, I think I know it, but uh, it, it's a lot darker than the one I just told. I don't know if it's the same one. My wife was helping with a charitable organization. Oh, okay. And Rita Moreno was a guest speaker. Oh, okay. She a bitch. <laughs> oh, no, not Rita Moreno. 
she was not nice. I'm not going to go into details or anything like that, but she she was not a nice person. She was a, oh, look, my shit doesn't smell. Here, let me cram it into your face to prove it because I'm better than everybody. I won all the awards. I won everything. I was on Electric Company. So there, treat me <laughs> that's, better. That's the thing she brags about more than what? anything else. I was on electric company, motherfucker. Per my contract to show up at this charitable event, there was supposed to be a little person sucking my pussy the entire time I walk around. Where are they? How am I supposed to rest my drink on their head? To be fair, to be fair, and I don't want to feel like I don't want you to feel like I'm taking sides here, but Rita Moreno's little person pussy eating writer was well known in the industry, and if she was not provided with that, that is on you, not on the her. late seating podcast would like to say that none of what we just said is actually true. Except the part of she be and a bitch. In this one, I don't know. Maybe she was having a bad day. Maybe she was, was probably just, just having a bad day. She seems like a very likable person. She seems like the type of person that's very nice and pleasant in public, and then she beats her husband savagely at home. Yeah. Once again, the Late Seating Podcast would like to state that there is no evidence to support the idea that Rita Moreno is a spousal abuser. <laughs> But we do we do state that in this one instance, she a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the beloved legend of Hollywood. Uh. You know the, um, when you want to meet someone famous and you want mm-hmm. them to be nice and they mm-hmm. understand what they're doing there and you know <clears throat> they're pleasant. Sure. That was the opposite of this. So yeah. it was the nightmare of meeting someone famous. Where you walk away with them having made you feel like you're a piece of shit for yeah. even glancing in their direction. So, no, if I get it, it was a bad day, then I humbly apologize. I'm sorry you had a bad day. I mean, we've we've all had those experiences. I mean, I myself, you know, I, I my the experience of the time that I met John Cena will always be marred by how he pushed my little brother down an open elevator shaft. I mean, you know. <laughs> I just, I can't enjoy that memory as much as I would have, because I always remember the fact that he murdered my little brother right after I met him, and then and then looked right at me with just Jesus. an absolutely stone-cold expression the on his face for 10 solid like seconds, and then just walked away. For the completely fabricated story where John Cena murdered a child at a public <laughs> John event. John Cena did not murder my brother. We gotta be careful. People could come after us. I just made it my brother because it makes it a better story. It was some kid. I don't even know who it was. <laughs> it was some kid. <laughs> but he did look uh, right in my face right after he did it and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> he looked, dared you to show emotion. <laughs> you know, and then you know what he did? He waved his hand in front of his face and said, you can't see me. And then he walked away. <laughs> The Late Seating Podcast would like to state that nothing that Steve says from this point forward is true. <laughs> Even as couched as his own opinion. All right, what else? What else we've got? Um, well, one, one last little bit of trivia, and I know, that, you know I, I know that you are a big fan of the Academy Awards, and you always love when I share Oscar oh, trivia. So, Jesus um, Christ. I'm just taking did- my headphones out. <laughs> I don't care what he has to say from this point forward, <laughs> fuck it. Did you know that West Side Story 
was the he was the he, for people who were who were listening he actually did take his earphones out he has no idea what i'm saying um for that west side story was the first was the last film to win uh best director for co-directors uh in 46 years it won code it won best director and it was for co-directors and then the next movie that he's fucking done the next movie to win the Academy Award with co-directors was was No Country for Old Men, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Thank you, Stephen. I'm done. I'm done. Great. I'm done. I have literally. I will. I have no idea what you said. I won't find out until I edit this bitch. Um, <laughs> are you done with your trivia? That's all the trivia I have. Great. Let's get into who made it. You want to know who made it? Uh, yeah, because I have no idea, because I didn't okay. pay attention to the credits. Okay, it was directed by Robert Weiss and Jerome Robbins. You know Robert Weiss. He directed The Day the Earth Should Still and tar- Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah. Because they thought, yeah, this guy <laughs> would make a great director for a sci-fi franchise. It'd be great. <laughs> and Jerome Robbins, he's a chore- choreographer that worked on Broadway for forever. And he did things like The King and I and Fiddler. And the main reason why Robert Weiss is even associated with this movie is because Jerome had never directed a movie before. They said, oh, stick him with some guy who knows what he's doing. And Robert Weiss got a phone call in the middle of the night, and he said, what? (laughs) No? Is there money? Great. And then he just... (laughs) I love this portrait of Robert Weiss (laughs) as this mercenary. What? Is there money? All right, I'll be there. (laughs) Produced by Robert Weiss, so he became a producer, and he, this made him so much fucking money. Uh, screenplay by Ernest, er, Ernest Lehman, and he wrote Sabrina, King and I, North by Northwest, The Sound of Music, and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Interesting. So a, so a yeah. somewhat successful screenwriter. Yeah. Based on West Side Story by Jerome Robbins, Leonard Bernstein... Stephen Sondheim, Arthur Laurentis, and William Shakespeare. Uh, he gets a story by credit. Because it's based on Romeo and Juliet. Probably the only successful uh, modernization of one of, his, one of his plays, I think. Starring uh, you're, you're forgetting what? Throne of Blood. Okay, yeah. I, well, I don't count Curacao because that's like God-tier level filmmaking and... <laughs> This is a dopey musical made for Americans who want to That's feel true. deep. That's I learned a lot about race relations in, in the United States in 1961. I had no idea that our gardener and maid had such rich lives outside of our house. <laughs> Just so long as they don't touch me. You know, they don't talk to me. Biffy, if one of them touches you, you know what you need to do. You, you get into the chemical shower. That's what you do. Oh, my God. I mean, we respect them, but they shouldn't be touching us. I just don't think people should mix. I don't know how Lucy stayed married to him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. Though I do admit, I always was curious about what it would be like. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> my best friend is Puerto Rican, and you keep going on and on about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, starring Natalie Wood. She's not Puerto Rican. No, not even a little. And she didn't sing. <laughs> not, not even a little. You know her as that stupid brat from Miracle on 34th Street <laughs> and being murdered by her husband. <gasps> Allegedly. Allegedly. 
the lead sitting podcast would like to <laughs> apologize for insinuating that what was it who was she married to robert wagner robert, robert wagner. i keep thinking it's robert vaughn it's robert wagner i mean they robert vaughn a, probably would have killed her they too, went out then, on a boat and only he came back interesting hmm and he and and, and i mean he, he nobody knows what happened it was a terrible accident anyway she's from san francisco and she's russian She's not Puerto Rican, is she? She n- no, she really isn't. Marnie Nixon. Guess who Marnie Nixon played? Oh, her, <laughs> her singing voice. Yeah, I was going to say Maria <laughs> when she's singing. Mm-hmm. Richard Bamer is Tony, and you guys probably know him better as D- uh, Ben Horn on Twin Peaks. That's right. You know he wasn't the first choice to play Tony. He wasn't. No, they had some other people that they would like to play Tony, including Warren Beatty, Burt Reynolds, Richard Chamberlain, Robert Wedford, who they rejected because they felt he was too tough, (laughs) and Elvis. Elvis. And he would have gotten the role, too, if Colonel Tom Parker hadn't stepped in and said no. Elvis, don't you remember? We're racist. Oh, right, right. Oh, that's right. right. Sorry, we're racist. Hey, (laughs) My name's Tony. I'm from New York City. He could have done it. Elvis could do anything. Elvis was God. He was a great <laughs> actor. <laughs> Jimmy Bryant as Tony's singing voice. Get used to this. <laughs> Russ Tamblin as Riff. And you guys know him better as Dr. Lawrence Jacoby in... Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Another Twin Peaks alumni. We'll be bringing up Lynch in a review of the movie. <laughs> Jimmy Bryant as Tony's singing voice. I already did him. Shut up, Jason. Tucker Smith as Riff's singing voice. Rita Moreno, that alleged bitch, (laughs) as Anita. And you know her from The Electric Company and almost nothing else. I mean, she's been on Broadway, whatever. She's been on TV a lot. She's been playing whatever. She's been around. You know who she is. Stop bothering me. (laughs) Betty Wand as Anita's singing voice. Wow. George Shakaris as Bernardo. Nothing. A lot of these guys are uh, dancers primarily. Right. Right. Simon Oakland as Police Lieutenant Shrank. And you know him from TV. A bunch of TV. Ned Glass as Doc. A lot. Way too many for me to list. Oh, yeah. He's an older guy, so he worked in Hollywood when he was coming up, and that meant that he had a job like every other week because they pushed out a feature every three days. Exactly. William Bramley as Police Sergeant Krupke. Nothing. Um, oh, God. It just goes on and on. There's a whole the bunch Jets. of people. <laughs> Tucker Smith as Ice. Tony Mordante or Mordente as Action. David Winters as Arab. Elliot Feld as Baby John. Burt Michaels as Snowboy. David Bean as Tiger. Robert Bannis as Joy Boy. These sound like Autobots. <laughs> Anthony Teague as Big Deal. Harvey Evans as Mouthpiece. Oh my god, they totally sound like Autobots. Oh and my god, now that Tommy you said that. Tommy Abbott as G-Tar. <laughs> Jets transform and roll out. <laughs> robot. Robot, silly robot. <laughs> Jet Girls, Susan Oakes as Anybody's, Gina Traconis as Graziella, and Carol DeAndre, or DeAndrea, Don, fuck it, Carol as Velma, <laughs> playing the Sharks. Yeah, it's, it's just going. Yep. Jose De Vega as Chino Martin, Jane Norman as Pepe. 
Gus Traconis. Oh, God, wait a minute. How is that possible? We have two Traconises in this? Gina Traconis and Gus Traconis must be related. That's an impossible coincidence if they that's must not be. the case. Or they're married. Mm. And they had they forced them to play opposite sides. Oh, that's... Oh, that's hot. Gus Traconis as Indio, Eddie Verso as Juano, Jaime Rogers as Loco... Larry Rocamore as Rocco, Robert Thompson as Luis, Nikki Kovacevich, Kovacevich, Kovacevich. Thank you, perhaps? thank you, Steve. My stunt mouth as Toro, Rudy Del Campo as Del Campo. Wow. <laughs> oh, they hurt themselves coming up with that character name, didn't they? And Andre Tayer as Chile. <laughs> Not done. Shark Girls. Yvonne Wilder as Consuelo. Susie K as Rosalia. Johnny Maya as Francisca. Uncredited. John Aston as Glad Hand. Yeah. You know John Aston, right? Yeah, he was Gomez in the Adams Family Gomez TV show. Gomez in the Adams yeah. Family, and he was the the not choice Riddler on Batman. <laughs> That's right. Yes, he was off brand Riddler when Frank Gorshin was like, "I'm done. I'm not doing this again." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's been in a bunch of movies and a whole bunch of other stuff. And he's Sean Astin's daddy. Um, Penny, am I right? Yeah, Penny Santon is Madame Lucia. All of these people are uncredited. They have lines, and they're not in here. Yeah. Rita Hyde D'Amico Dem- as Clarice. Pat Tribble as Minnie. Francesca Bellini as Debbie. El- Elaine Joyce as Hotsey. Maria Jimenez Henley as Teresita. Lucy Stone as Estella. And all Olivia Perez as Margarita. Fuck me. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, and they all have lines, and they all have shit to do. Music by Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein didn't do a whole lot of soundtracks. No. But he's probably the most celebrated composer slash conductor that the United States has ever produced. To the point he even has a street named after him in fucking France. And you need to, like, you had to have been the person that gutted Hitler if you're an American to get a street named after you in France, right, Steve? Oh, absolutely. It's not even illegal to kill an American in France. That's right. One of my dreamy dreams is to go to Paris and stand at the corner of Leonard Bernstein Drive and Jerry Lewis (laughs) Way. I'm just going to say it. I mean, their taste isn't always good. (laughs) No, of course not. They like really strong cheese there. I still think the Jerry Lewis thing is ultimately to make fun of us. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, the greatest American comedian, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> like, they're fucking with us. They're not fucking with us. They genuinely like him. They genuinely like him. I don't get it. Something's mm. lost in translation. Yeah, big time. Cinematography by Daniel L. Fapp. And he also did The Great Escape and a few other movies. And he's so good in this. This Absolutely. is. I'm going to stop right now. Filming dance can go really wrong in a movie. And only a few people knew how to do it. One of them was called Fred Astaire, and the other one was called Gene Kelly. <laughs> so for a cinematographer without a background in filming dance or action to film this and do it well, that's a, you're good, good for you, Daniel. You do a good job. Edited by Thomas Stanford, and he did a lot. Now, this is considered one of the best edited films ever made, and mm-hmm. I will agree, it is one of the best edited films ever made. It's really well done. 
Congratulations, whatever your name I just said. Thomas Stanford. <laughs> Hope your grandchildren are happy. Production companies. Marish Pictures, Seven Arts Productions, distributed by United Artists, release date December 13th, 1961, running time 152 minutes, budget $6.75 million, adjusted for inflation $60 million, box office $44 million, adjusted for inflation that said failed. No one wants it. $396 million, making it a huge hit, right? Yeah. Then then we're going to make a sequel, and maybe this time they'll go with what the original idea for this movie was, and the other gang would be black. But I don't think that ever happens. Nope. Even in the stupid fucking remake that Stevie's making, and that we're going to (laughs) see, I don't know, is it this year? Stevie Spielberg. Uh, well, I think Steve- uh, is it later this year? I'm not sure. Maybe next year. Mm-hmm. I um, don't know if it's if uh, if, if a, a movie nerd from Los Angeles can successfully make a movie about racial disharmony in New York, but we'll see, right, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a prerequisite to be abducted by a UFO to make Close Encounters. That's right. He didn't right. need to be eaten by a shark to, to make Jaws. He didn't need uh-huh. to fight Nazis to make Indiana Jones. No. All you needed to have with it was a healthy healthy imagination. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And I think when it comes to fake made up shit. <laughs> and I think our healthy imaginations will allow us to easily imagine Steven Spielberg making a good West Side Story movie. Sure. Okay. All right, Steve, you ready? Ready. You got your switchblade? I got it, baby. All right, then let's you and me snap dance our way. That's right. Into the world of West Side Story. Steve, dig it. Oh, boy. Well, you said snap our way, and that's exactly what happens for about the next 20 minutes because <laughs> we meet. <laughs> okay, you always skip over what's actually in front of this fucking thing. Six oh, minutes there, of oh, overture. That's right, there's the over- <laughs> and, and you know, and you, you, I literally skipped it. Did you really? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I fast-forwarded through the You overture. skipped over yeah. the, Saul, the Saul Bass opening? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I watched, I saw that title card that eventually dissolves into, you know, the uh, the, the overhead shot of New York City. But, I, mm. you know, I, I looked at it for like 10 seconds, and I was like, okay, this is the overture. I get it. And I fast-forwarded through it. I mean, it changes colors. Whoopee. I know. It becomes more complicated as it gets, going, gets forward. <laughs> he designed the opening credits for, oh, brother. Fuck you, Saul Bass, and what you've contributed, says Steve. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> but then we get a a very quiet Superman tour of that's of, right of Manhattan. That's right. We get some overhead uh, aerial shots of the city mm-hmm. uh, that slowly get closer and closer as we dissolve from shot to shot. Get closer and closer to the ground, and uh, that's right. Eventually, we're at street level, and yeah. and we, we see a gang of kids from we up see above. A gang, a gang of of of, of street hoodlums. In what nineteen sixty one New York called yeah. a playground, yes, a concrete or a, a, a an asphalt lot with some mm-hmm. basketball hoops and and chain link fences, chain link fences, and and ho- cold hard metal climbing frames. Yes, before we cared about children in this country, <laughs> that's we were right. Like, Here's Steve some, liked it. 
Here's some metal pipe that we screwed together. Play on this. Fine, psychologist. Children need to play. Let's see how much fun they have on this. Yeah, use your imaginations now, you little shits. It's 103 degrees outside. <laughs> I want them to leave skin on those bars when they grab them. It's too hot to touch. Go ahead. But we meet the gang. The Jets. The Jets. And they're, they're looking kind of ominous, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, white guys. Well, I mean, they yeah, they're uh, they're they they're walking down the sidewalk and snapping their fingers, and they uh, they walk across the basketball court and interrupt a basketball game just to prove that they can do it. Like, well, yeah. and then they walk on through and let them keep playing, and uh, uh, and they cause more trouble. They, they walk do around a girl drawing a, a satanic chalk circle in, on the, into the asphalt. Because they don't want to interrupt her spell casting, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. And then they're walking and down the street, and they're slowly starting to dance, like they dance one because out. they're because they're toughs. That's right, they're toughs, they're street toughs. They're tough and dancers, they, and they're getting more and more boisterous. And then they run into who? Uh, Bernardo, right? Bernardo, and he's yeah, just standing who, there. Yeah. And they leave, and you think, oh, okay, they're going to leave him alone, right? Yep. Except two guys don't, and they're like making kissy faces at him and stuff giving him a hard time and then bernardo hooks up with two other guys and they yeah. start dancing and then they harass two of the other and they belong to a gang called the sharks right well, they should have been called el tiburon because technically that would be spanish but they don't care do they but uh, any. the white people coming to see this movie don't want to hear no spanish <laughs> anyway so then they harass two guys and they chase them, and then they run into the rest of the Jets, and the Jets harass them, and then they start harassing guys playing cards, and then pretty soon everybody's harassing everybody, and they meet back at the playground, and they're going to dance fight at each other, but they break up. But then, oh, no, two guys start dance fighting on each other, and then that turns into a free-for-all of oh, yeah. bunches of people, and garbage is thrown, and the streets, and then they go to this nuked part of Manhattan that no one talks about. <laughs> the ruins. <laughs> the ruins of because uh, boy, New York was starting to get really shitty. Guys, white flight from the from the urban areas was really taking its toll on all the cities in in the United States, but none more so than in Manhattan, which up until the 1980s had these entire areas where the entire neighborhood has been reduced to rubble. Yeah, and uh, we see get a little bit of that. Then some dingus decides to write underneath the word sharks. Stink. stink. Oh, no, you don't do that. No, no. And he runs away. He runs to the playground. They pin him to the ground. It looks like they're about to cut him, right? Yeah. And then it becomes a free-for-all, and all of them are fighting on each other, and it's kind of sexy. And you, you kind of you gotta put that out of your mind. It's 1961. Don't think of them as sexy. They're not doing anything sexy. And then who shows up, Steve? The cops. The bulls. The bulls show up. Mm-hmm. It's Shrank and, and Krupke. Uh, Krupke. And he's like, look, you kids, you got to learn to keep... And he's playing basically, if you know Romeo and Juliet at all, he's playing the king. Yeah. He's playing yeah, what's yeah, his yeah. name? The, the prince. I think it's a, yeah, the prince. Yeah. And he's like, knock it off. Or I'll throw you all in jail. And uh, and he wants to know who who cut up what's his name? Doughboy? Dinky? What's his name? Oh, it's uh, uh, Baby John. Baby John, whatever. I'm not remembering that. <laughs> and he covers for the sharks because you know he doesn't want to get in trouble with them even deeper. And he and then he turns around and uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, Shrank is racist. Oh, big time! Because he shows the white kids 
far more. You know, he runs off. He runs off the Puerto Ricans, and then he turns around to the white kids and he's like, "Hey, can we all just? Can't you just? You know, make nice and do. You know, do things. Let me try to be reasonable with you, and then threaten you with jail, and maybe the electric chair too. Right? <laughs> we'll see how it goes. And he leaves, and and then they leave, and they're talking about what is it we're gonna do. Right. What and are we gonna do about these sharks? What's the name of the girl that wants to be one of their gang? In the Jets? Anybody's. Anybody's, thank you. And uh, she's a tomboy, right? Yeah, oh yeah. If you want to take a liberal view, maybe she's like a proto-lesbian. Perhaps. I mean, but she really wants to be a part of them. They keep making fun of her and telling her to put on a dress and shut up. And boy, you kind of look cute as a boy. And I like it a lot when you have short hair. Uh, I, anyway, just leave. Just get out of here. You're making me think things. <laughs> I don't like to feel these feelings. Anyway, they think, hey, we need to have a war council. Right. Right. Because they're going to, they want to plan like a a rumble to settle things once and for all between the Jets and the Sharks. Because they own this territory and they're like, let's get Tony. And he's like, Tony's barely hanging around with us, whatever. And they're like, Tony always come through through with us. Oh, hey, I got to sing a song now. And it's about being a Jet. Yeah. Right? Like Steve said, it's kind of a song. Yeah. It's, it's like, mostly it's like he, an he, excuse to dance. Yeah. He sings a little bit, and then he loses interest. And he's like, nah, you get it. Mm. And so there they're walking through the streets, and they're still singing. And then Riff, who is the leader of the gang, who is our Mercutio, yes. goes, to, goes to Tony, who's working a job, right? Right. And he's like, you got to come to the dance tonight, because we're planning on something, like a rumble or something. But Tony's like, I have a dream. <laughs> yeah, he had. Yeah, Tony I wake up has. Every a, he morning sing, and he I'm sings this, for something. He sings a song where it's basically something's gonna happen. <laughs> right. He doesn't know what. Now here's what's unique about this song. This is usually a girl's song. Right. Yeah. It's like right? a what 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 I want type of song. Exactly. Yeah. It's the I want song, but yeah. it's Tony, and he sings for an absurdly long period of time. <laughs> yeah. But then we cut to the dress shop, and who do we meet there? We meet Maria. We just met a girl named Maria. Mm-hmm. And it's this white girl play-acting being Puerto Rican, right? It's, yeah, it's Natalie Wood in brownface. Yeah. And she's and it's and also she's Rita Moreno in brownface. And yeah, Rita Moreno, some, for some reason, also in brownface, even though she is actually the ethnicity of the character she's playing. But whatever. Yep. And she's getting her dress done for the dance tonight. And then Bernardo shows up, and Bernardo is uh, Maria's brother. Yes, and Anita's boyfriend. And Anita's boyfriend, and he's like, "Come on, you're gonna, you're gonna be, you're come to the dance." And it's like, okay. And then Maria spins around and becomes a hallucination. Yeah. And they all drop acid, and when they come down, they're at when they come down, they're at the dance, and like, how do we get here? Uh And everyone's at the dance, and everybody's mixing together and getting along. And that's when we meet Glad, Gladhand, played yeah. by, what's his name? John Aston. John Aston. He's like, Gomez. everyone get together, and if you don't, I'm going to have this cup beat you to death in front of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and he has this great idea. He says, okay, so he notices that the two gangs and their girls are kind of keeping on opposite sides of the dance. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's what we're going to do. 
I want the girls to form a circle, and then I want the boys to form a circle on the outside of the girls' circle, and you're all going to move around in opposite directions. Everybody has to kiss me once. Not the boys, just the girls. (laughs) And you have to watch it happen, right, Krupke? You have to watch it happen. (laughs) Tell my wife I am desirable. Now the line from my office starts at the base of those stairs. (laughs) Any woman that doesn't come up here, their boyfriend's going to jail. (laughs) Anyway, kids, have fun. Have a good dance, you kids. And then they dance, Um, and they dance, 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 and they dance. (laughs) And then Tony shows up. And then Tony shows up, and, and what happens? Him and, Maria, him and Maria see each other from across the and gym. They immediately get glaucoma. Yeah, exactly. Everything gets super blurry except for them. Mm-hmm. And just like in Romeo and Juliet, they fall instantly in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And we're not supposed to question it or ask how or why. We it can't just by is. law. It's impossible. You they can't just, do it. They just completely, they're, they're completely, deeply purely in love with each other from the moment they set eyes on Queen each other. Queen Elizabeth would that. kill anyone who questioned the plot of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> it was the law. It doesn't make sense. People don't fall in love that fast. Like they're like Killing kids, him. right? <laughs> they're children, Randon. Off with his head. <laughs> anyway, they meet um, and all of a sudden the room has lights in it that it didn't have and there are a lot fewer dancers and then they talk to each other and yeah, they're fucking, they're in love, Steve. Oh boy, right they away. They love yep. each other. But then Bernardo sees someone touching his sister and he goes all Scarface he on He doesn't like that, like, no sirree. touches my sister. And that nearly starts a fight, but it doesn't. And then that Bernardo tells his sister to go home and that nearly starts a fight. But Riff says, hey, we need to meet up after the dance because we're going to have a war council, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, Tony has wandered off and hallucinate sings his way back to <laughs> yes. the shop. Yes. Oh, no. Where does he go? He goes to the plate. Is it? No. He walks a really long way. Yeah. He ends up, like, on the street, like, near yeah. where, where Doc's store is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice use of a rear projection to sort of, because the background dissolves to different locations as we get a continuous yeah. shot of Tony uh, yeah. walking. And it's in the same colors as Jimmy Stewart's freakout from Vertigo. Yes. I, I fully expected to see his head just, his, his deeply concerned and freaked out head just, <laughs> just zooming slowly into... pass by in the background. Yes. What am I doing here? Young man, <laughs> we're we're going back to the past. <laughs> anyway, um, Bernardo's yelling at at uh, Maria. Don't 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 with don't with the penis and that guy. <laughs> don't with the penis. And Anita's like, you know what? We're freer here. She should be allowed to do what she wants. And then he says, "Let's take this argument upstairs, shall we?" And they start singing because the girls think things are better in America than where they came from Puerto Rico, where it sucked. And from their perspective, I could probably see that being the case. But the other side of the argument is this this entire country is full of racists and we're not getting anywhere. Right. Because prejudice yeah and you can't disagree with either side for the most part no not at all not at all this is not an untruthful song 
Except for the part of how much fun they're having singing about how <laughs> it's so fucking racist in the United they, States. They they sure do have a ball singing about what a nightmare America is, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and that goes on forever, and then they have to go to the war council, right? Yeah. Well, no, no. Do we do we get the 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 um the balcony scene first? Nope. No, we don't. If the war council they, is first. They're leaving. And then we get the balcony scene okay, where Tony okay. has been screaming at every fire escape in lower <laughs> Manhattan looking for Maria. And she hears him and they come out and they're in love. And Marina, Maria's like, this can't happen. This will be bad. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. I'm stupid. And he convinces her. And then they sing. What do they sing, Steve? Uh, is this where they sing? Uh, is it? Is it? It's either tonight or a place for us. I can't remember which one. I it is. Think no, it's, it's, a place it's tonight. For us. It, or, well, but yeah, one of the one of the more famous songs from the show. I no, can't remember. It's a place for us because tonight is the song. Tonight where is when sings it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, they sing yeah a place for us. I think and the technical think, title of that is actually somewhere, but everybody mm-hmm. thinks of it as a place for us because that's yeah. the the chorus. Yeah. Meanwhile, the jets are hanging out in front of the drugstore. Everybody comes up, or anybody comes up, anybody's comes up, and uh, they're all talking. And then Officer Krupke shows up, and he threatens them again. And then he drives away, and then we launch into a song about what, Steve? About Officer Krupke. Well, it's not about Officer Krupke, but the the song is called Officer Krupke. And it's about what juvenile delinquents they are, but how they're misunderstood. And, you know, they all just, uh, you know, they they really want to be good boys, but they have trouble at home. And, you know, nobody gives them a chance and uh, that kind of thing. It's about how the institutions that are supposed to help them Put them on a merry-go-round where they never get help. That's what I was. That's what I said. No, it wasn't. <laughs> About how the social workers will push them towards the police. The police will no push them to jail. Yeah. You know, um, or they go through psychological exams, or they go through all of this rigmarole, and they keep getting labeled different things right and nobody actually helps them they just push them to the the next station yeah because the cops in this movie don't help they're not they're just a authority figure right right they actually he does not give a shit about either side he cares a little bit more about the white kids because he's a white dude and he feels more comfortable talking to him and he thinks because he's a racist, that they're more reasonable yeah. than the hot-blooded Puerto Ricans. Yeah, but but the main the main concern of the of both of the of the cops in this, both Shrank and uh, Krupke, is don't make trouble on my beat. Mm-hmm. Like that's all they care about. They don't give a shit about anything else. No, and they sing this long, kind of funny song. Yeah, about the whole thing. Um, they make a lot of innuendos. <laughs> specifically about social di- what is it i got a, a social, social disease, disease. yeah <laughs> and then when they're done they all just kind of stand around and look at each other and go that was weird yeah why do we sing like that anyway joe shows up and joe's this nice jewish man who owns the he owns the store yeah yeah he owns the store and he lets him in and he's like jesus what is wrong with you kids <laughs> you yeah. can't you just can't you just not be you <laughs> Can't you just not? Anyway, that's who Tony works for, right? Yeah, that's right. And then, uh uh-oh, the other gang shows up, right? Yeah, the Sharks. And they have to come to terms, because little Johnny, or whatever his name is... Baby Johnny. Johnny, What? Yeah, Baby John. Baby John. 
Is it Baby John? Baby John, yes. Baby John. He doesn't want to do with knives or guns. But what if they do knives or guns? And they're like, we're going to do knives or guns. Yeah. So they settle on a time, which is midnight tomorrow. Yeah. And a place, which is on the freeway. And then just as they're about to negotiate how they're going to fight, they keep escalating rocks. And the other, the other guy said, pipes. Another guy said, bricks. Another guy says, tanks. And the other guy goes, tanks? <laughs> He's like, you yes. have a tank? <laughs> Shut up. Tanks. <laughs> Throw my nuclear weapons. <laughs> and then Tony comes in and he says, hey, you guys don't got to fight. And then he said, well, let's do it one-on-one. Your best fighter against my best fighter, right? Yeah. Skin. Skin well, to skin. before they can do that, who shows up? Shrank. Shrank, yeah. And they're all pretending to get along, but that doesn't fool Shrank. No, he's too racist Oh, no, racist they do settle on it. That. They do settle on it. It's going to be skin on skin, best fighter yeah. against... Yeah, what, yeah they, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Shrank kicks all the Puerto Ricans out. And then he talks, once again, he sits down and, hey, let's have a rap session, fellas. And basically <laughs> it boils down to, hey, I get in trouble if you guys fight, so don't do it, okay? I'm a racist piece of shit. Goodbye. Joe's upset, right? Yeah. Joe also figures out that Tony's dating Maria. And he also thinks that Tony is a lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) Tony keeps saying, nothing's going to happen. We're just on the verge of a race war. And I'm dating a Puerto Rican girl. Everything's going to be fine. You'll see. What could go wrong? mm -hmm. And then he walks out into the playground and then the movie is attacked by intermission. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, usually these movies aren't this long with an intermission, right? No, I mean, it's, this movie's it's, only a little over two hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's not two and a half, about two and a half hours. Yeah. I assume the intermission is there because there would have been an intermission for the stage show. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, the movie doesn't need it. This would have been perfect for the stage show. You get up, you go to the bathroom... You smoke nine cigarettes because you probably can't smoke in the theater even in 1961. <laughs> you try to wipe the image of your wife's eyes crawling all over the dancers during the show. You're like, what? A, I could have danced. I could have. I didn't know you could dance masculine like these guys on stage. <laughs> Who knew you could do a pirouette and look macho like you're gonna punch a fucker out? God, I think those guys are hot. But if I even tapped my foot three times, my father would spank me with a branch out of the back of the yard. <laughs> anyway, we cut back, and Maria feels pretty. <laughs> she Yes, she does feel pretty, and witty, and bright. Mm-hmm, and gay. And gay. And basically, it really goes to her head. Yeah, she just... She, she basically she declares herself pretty? the empress of the world because of how pretty she is, and... <laughs> But, I mean, she keep, this goes on and on and on, and then Maria's told Tony to meet her at the shop. Yeah. And that's when Anita figures out, oh, you're dating white boy. Okay, this can't possibly go bad. No, everything but will be fine. Anita leaves. They uh, talk and make pretend that they get married at some mm-hmm. point, right? Yeah, like teenagers They just kind of fast-forward through a relationship, right? Yeah. They he pretends to meet her parents, then they kneel down. A heavenly light comes down, and they get married for pretend, not really, yes. because they've known each other for eight hours. <laughs> but in the eyes of God, they are married. They have only known each other for eight hours, Dave. The Christ has looked upon them and blessed their union. 
Then uh, we go, and it's tonight. This is tonight. Yeah, the, it's the 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 the, the, uh, the montage of the like Jets everybody are singing, tonight. There's yeah. gonna be a rumble. Anita's like, tonight I'm going to fuck Bernardo so good. <laughs> the, the Sharks are like, tonight we're going to bring as many weapons as we want to. Tony's in the store singing, tonight I'm probably going to fuck Maria. I don't know what's going to happen. Maria's like, I'm going to fuck them. And then they cut. Okay, so it's they're singing this entire song. It's maybe one of the best songs in the, in the musical, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's singing tonight, tonight, and it's being undersung by the other ones that are like, We're right, it do comes do together, do it's do really tonight. layered very nicely, yeah. And then they cut to Krupke and Shrank in a car, and I would have killed anybody for them to start singing yes. any part of the song. We're gonna get a steak tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The skulls were gonna break tonight. Right. We're gonna get a kickback. Yes, sir. <laughs> because they pay protection to the cops. That's great. They cut to Serpico on a street corner. Corrupt, corrupt. The precinct the whole is, boss corrupt. is corrupt. Fuck it, Serpico could become a musical. God damn oh it. boy, coming to Broadway. <laughs> Serpico. Serpico. <sighs> okay, so that goes on. The gangs gather, right? They gather underneath the freeway. They're getting ready to fight, and um, they do. That's what they. It's who is it? Ice? Is it well, ice it's supposed to be I, Bernardo and Ice, right? Um, but then Tony shows up to try but then to. Tony shows up to get to him tell to stop. Them, yeah. Because he told Maria he would try to get him to stop, right? Yeah. And in the uh, Bernardo's not listening to him, and um, he gets pushed over. No, Bernardo pushes over Riff, doesn't he? No, Riff pushes over Bernardo. Yeah. And that starts a knife fight because yeah. both oh, of yeah. them have switchblades. And um, eventually, Riff loses his knife. Tony tries to intercede again. Riff runs at Bernardo and runs directly into his knife, and oh, he dies. Oh, Riff! Yeah. And then this causes another huge fight, and Tony kills Bernardo. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone leaves as the cops are arriving. Tony's fucked up because he's killed his girlfriend's brother, and oh, there's no way he's getting laid. Oh, yeah. I forgot. This is a musical. That's yeah. It's, it's exactly He's totally getting happen. laid, but you know. Meanwhile, Maria is up on a rooftop waiting for Tony, and Chino shows up and says, uh, "Tony killed your brother." And she's like, "That's not true." And he's like, "Yeah, it's totally true." And she runs down and she hears everyone screaming, "Bernardo's dead!" And Tony did it. Everyone saw it. And she goes in and to pray to uh, to the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Tony shows up. And uh, she don't care that her brother's dead that much. No, she's mad. She's mad for like a minute, and then he says, "Well, Riff got killed too, and he was like a brother to me." And Maria's like, yeah. oh, "Okay, so that makes us even." Oh, that makes us even. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Can I suck on your titties now? And she's like, "Yeah, okay." Like, okay, but and I mean, have, I mean, the top part they have some of that brown care. makeup on, so you might want to just <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get a mouthful of brown makeup. Keep to the lower part if you know. Right. Meanwhile, the cops are now searching for Tony. The gang is broken up. You know they've all run away, and now they're going to regather, and the and the jets regather in a parking lot. Yeah. And everyone's freaking out. Everyone's angry. Everyone wants revenge. Guys are yelling at him from a building. They go inside, and Ice says, 
Shut up. <laughs> Everybody calm the fuck down. God damn it. If the cops catch us and you're this angry, you're going to let it spill, and then we're all going to be in trouble. And to prove it, I'm going to sing dance at you now. Mostly dance, right? Yeah. About and how you that. need to do it cool. Mm-hmm. Boy, boy. <laughs> what is it, stupid boy? You can't remember. Great dance number, right? Mm-hmm. And they all finally calm down. And one of them points his finger at the neighbor who's bothering him and says, pow. But he's actually shooting the audience, just like Joe Pesci did at the end of Goodfellas. Or the bank <laughs> robber did in The Great Bank Robbery. So they're yeah. all going, and they're going to need to find Tony. Well, anybody's runs up and says, I've seen Tony because I sneak around in the shadows like Gollum. And um, <laughs> th- th- I know that Chino, is it Chino or Chico? Chino. Yeah, Chino. Chino, ha- Chino has a gun and he's looking for Tony. And he's going to kill Tony. And so they need to break up and they need to look for Tony. And now everybody's looking for Tony. And what Tony is doing is sucking on Maria's titties. Yeah. We cut back and his Tony shirt Tony don't want to be found, buddy. Yeah, and her skirt is over her head. And she's probably pregnant now, who knows. But yeah. then Anita comes home. Uh-oh. Oh, that's not good. And he hears them in the room. And she slips out and she's like, I knew it. That's a guy. And then she's got to sing about how he's the guy who killed her brother. And she's like, I don't care. I love him. <laughs> I love him, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then she convinces Anita through song that, you know, I love him, and there's nothing bad. Anita didn't mean to do it. And so she convinces Anita to go to the drugstore because Tony is hiding in the basement, right? Right, right. And, she, and they're supposed to meet and, and run away together. But right. uh, Lieutenant Shrank shows up, so Maria can't go. Mm-hmm. So she tells Anita, like, go to the drugstore and tell Tony I can't make it yet. Yeah. And she goes, okay. And so all the guys are in the drugstore, and Anita shows up, and this movie goes someplace that I don't think anyone in 1961 was expecting oh, it to go yeah. to. It gets super uncomfortable. I really like the idea that this was a smack in the face to a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, especially because up to this point... Uh, though you know, even though we've seen that you know both gangs are sort of juvenile delinquents, but we're clearly spending a lot more time with the Jets, and you know if there is one side we're supposed to like, it's them. And then, mm-hmm. uh oh, until yeah, they start giving her a hard time. They won't let her talk. They start harassing her, chasing her around, and then they knock her to the floor, and they're gathered around her like a pack of hyenas. And you're like, is this? going where i think it's gonna go yeah because it sure feels like that's where it's going that's and that's and where then, it goes until doc shows up to break it up yeah and doc says what the fuck is wrong with you is this all you know and she gets up and she's angry right and what does she say in her anger she says uh that number one bernardo was right about all of you bernardo is right about all of you and then she says uh tell tony that Marie is dead. That Chino and, found out about them. Yeah, that Chino found out her. about them and killed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Doc kicks them all out. He goes downstairs, gives uh, Tony... He's given Tony some money so he could escape. And then Doc has to tell her, Oh, by the way, Marie is dead. Way to go. You <laughs> still think this is going to work out, you dumb shit? Yeah. <laughs> I blame you kids for all of this. Tony goes cuckoo bananas. Oh, yeah, he goes out to the street yelling, you know, Chino, come and get me, too. Mm-hmm. And Chino's like, all right. Well, yeah, she winds up at the playground. But 
Maria's there. He sees Maria. And he's and like, oh, cool. Up. Everything's going to work out now. Everything's going to be cool and perfect. And we'll run away. And maybe I'll be able to have more sex with you. And they run up. And as soon as they embrace, what happens? There's Chino. And he shoots. Mm-hmm. And he hits Tony. And he scores. <laughs> and what happens? He hit, uh, Tony gets hit. And Tony falls down. And Tony dies and in Tony Maria's arms. And Tony dies in Maria's arms. And then Maria's like, give me that gun. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the gang show up. The, the Jets and the Sharks kind of surround And then she has an them. awesome scene. Oh, yeah. In which she points the gun. And this is the, this is the Star Trek moment of the show where she kind of lays out, you know, on both sides. Yeah. How many bullets does this have? Can I shoot all of you and then kill myself? Well, I have enough to kill. And I'm like, no, that's like a six- yeah, you, you have like, like at maximum gun. you have five left. You need to travel into the future where we gladly sell guns that can kill hundreds of people on oh, a single yeah. clip. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah if this was like in the two thousands, you could kill all of them and you know mm-hmm. without breaking a sweat. Yeah. But her basic thing is that she's sad and then she collapses on the body, and then Shrank shows up and she drapes herself over the body and says, "I, you, I won't let you touch him" or something like that. Yeah. And then she kisses him, and members of both the Sharks and the Jets pick up his body because they don't have a coroner in New York. I guess they're just going <laughs> to shove him into Shrank's trunk. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't worry, boys, I'll take care of him. And then we cut to a scene under the Brooklyn Bridge where he's dumping the body into the Hudson. He's like, that's where you all go. Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling you, kids. There's a bunch of mobsters, ghosts there. Welcome, Tony. How you doing? Hey, hey my boy. <laughs> but then someone puts a shawl on Maria, and she gets up, and she leaves, and the gang breaks up. The end. Yep. <laughs> and then we have graffiti. What we Number one, we get to learn what graffiti was like before spray cans. And it was it chalk. Sucked. <laughs> it sucked. It was, it was chalk or paint. Just yeah. like a regular old paint. And we go through the whole credit scene where it's not much more than street signs and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. And then the movie's over. And you're like, am I supposed to feel this way at the end of that? Yeah. <laughs> am I supposed to feel like this? I, I don't get it. I'm not happy. Anyway, Steve. Anyway, Steve. I know it's your favorite genre. It's very, it totally. I love musicals so much. You know I know this. you do. How do you feel about this dancing musical classic West Side Story. Well, I mean, like you said, um, musicals are not my thing, generally mm. speaking. And yeah. and often I, I find myself just sort of patiently sitting through the songs and the dance numbers, uh, waiting for them to end so the story can resume. And, uh, and, and honestly, m- most musicals, even the really well-known beloved ones, tend to have a lot of filler. Like, and I get the impression that, you know, the same story could have been told in less time with more impact if they just get on with it instead of stopping every few minutes for a song. Um, And I felt that way a lot of the time uh, watching West Side Story. I do think that, um, you know, there's a lot of filler and there are long stretches where I was just watching it and sitting there waiting for the song to be over, you know, um, or wondering, like, how much longer are they going to dance? Most of the songs... I've already forgotten by the time they're over. Um, there are so, as you, as as we heard when you went through the credits, there are so many characters, um, mm-hmm. and almost none of them matter or stand out. They're just there to be bodies in each gang, you know. Um, 
But here's what surprised me when I was watching it is that by the end of the movie, it had me. Yeah. You know, um, I, it, you know, it had all the problems I typically have with musicals. I thought it was too long. I thought a lot of the musical numbers themselves went on for too long. This but, was no song of music, sound of music. Oh, no. No. Oh, God. No, absolutely not. For one thing, it's half as long. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, by the end of the movie, it had me. By, by the end of the movie, I was invested in what was happening. And um, so, and despite my sort of natural or, or accustomed aversion to musicals, I came away liking it and, and respecting it. Um, one thing it has going for it is that while there is a lot of filler, the songs that are memorable are very memorable and very good. And the, the ones that are probably my favorites are uh, America, which is a great song. And I mean, the revised lyric, I mentioned in my trivia, they, they changed the lyrics from the Broadway version to the movie version. The revised lyrics are a major improvement mm-hmm. and, and really make it just a fantastic song that sets the stakes for the sharks. Like it lets us know what their lives are really like. And, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and ha- it's, I mean, as, as problematic as a lot of this movie is just the idea of having characters, not always actors, but at least characters who are people of color, um, singing about the racism and the discrimination that they face in such frank terms. Oh yeah, is really amazing for the early '60s and and you know the the, the '50s. If we're going back to the original Broadway show, um, I mean, there's a line there where the the girls sing "Everything's Bright in America" and the guys come back with "If You Are White in America." That line still is a punch today. I mean, that's a uh-huh. great line. Um, so that's a great one. Uh, Somewhere, also better known as A Place for Us, is a, is a beautiful song. Um, it's like this beautiful yearning love song that just stands on its own, even apart from the show. Um, the Officer Krupke is a great song. I mean, the, the songs that are memorable are really, really good. Um, another thing I liked was I, I love the set design. I love oh, the, yeah. the cinematography. I love the way the movie looks. I love the way the streets and alleys and rooftops are designed. But was it actually filmed in New York? Because right. a lot of it was filmed in New York. Yeah. Yeah, and I just I, I love details like the walls made out of doors. You know that we see a lot, or the way the the underpass where the big fight takes place is designed with uh, there's like that tall fence on one side and then a big high concrete wall on the other and the actors Uh have to scramble up in order to leave and the actors are so physical i love the physicality of the actors and obviously most of that comes through in the dancing but there's also stuff like in the fight scene when they have to and it's all in a one continuous wide shot so like when you see these guys scrambling up you know a 20 foot tall chain link fence they're really doing that in real time and it is awesome looking like it's really impressive um, uh-huh. when they have to jump up and grab the top of a concrete wall and pull themselves up and get away like that's it's just the, the physicality of it is great and has a great energy and is just a joy to watch um, and finally I, I really appreciated that 
it tried to take a nuanced view of its characters and their situation. Um, we spend a lot more time with the Jets than we do with the Sharks, but we see enough of both to know that the Jets are not the good guys and the Sharks are not the bad guys. Um, nope. You know, there's that scene we just talked about near, close to the end of the movie where the Jets are on the verge of raping Anita before Doc interrupts them. Um, and then with the Sharks, we have uh, we, we see the discrimination and the racism that they face. So we sympathize mm. with them. Um, and it also it handles the old versus young conflict as well. In the you know, in, in the similar uh, level of sophistication where, you know, the main characters are all gang members. They're proudly juvenile delinquents. But mm. the, the the adults are awful in this movie like the 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 other than like doc is the most positive adult character but like the cops mm. are the cops are racist and are explicitly depicted as racist and and overbearing bullies and as you pointed out they they don't actually care about any of these kids all they care about is keeping peace and quiet and order and not making not making trouble for them as police officers uh, right. that, that's it um, not because it's something right to do. Right, exactly. Because it gives him problems at work. Yeah, that's it. and um, and even Doc, who again is the most positive character. You know, there's that scene uh, in in the candy store after when when they're leaving, um, when Doc says, uh, "You know, you kids make this world lousy," and one of them throws it back at him and says, "We didn't make it, Doc." You know, and and it's uh -huh. like, and so you you're not. The movie doesn't make it easy to completely sympathize or completely dismiss anybody, right? Uh, except maybe the cops. The cops can go to hell. But but you know the, the it, it it gives you a a very nuanced sense of this world and of what it's like, and it doesn't ask you to condone what the jets or the sharks do, but it does ask no. you. It asks you to try and understand. And and to show them compassion rather than just condemning them and saying, ah, rotten mm -hmm. kids, you know, rotten. I mean, and, and that's a really artful thing and uh, and a really humane angle to take. And, mm -hmm. and and I and I admire the film for for taking it. Um, so, I mean, overall, I have to say that I, I liked it and appreciated it a lot more than I expected to. Uh, not yeah. not just because I don't like musicals, generally speaking, but I, I had seen it before a long time ago. I think I seem to remember watching it um, when I was in maybe middle school or high school as part of an, uh, a music appreciation class. And I wasn't all that taken with it back then. And I so I well, didn't really didn't have Star or Wars in the title. I know. So and I was you? like, there's not even any, you know, there no aliens, you know, come on. <laughs> um <laughs> and I mean, at least like the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet had tits. There's not even any tits in this. Who needed it in uh, this one? But uh, <laughs> but I watched it this time, and I was I was surprised and and you know uh, pleasantly surprised by how much I really liked it and how much mm -hmm. again by by the end it it absolutely had me. By the end, I was I was there and I cared about what happened and I was moved by. The death of Tony and and Maria's you know, that fucking great scene that Maria has. At the yeah, end. Maria's last scene is terrific, and then this the the imagery of them of of the two sides coming together to bear Tony off, and just how sadly it just kind of trickles to a conclusion. Like everybody, like the 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 big thing happens, the tragedy happens, and then everybody just kind of filters out. 
and it's like mm-hmm. and, and that's it and so yeah i mean it's it's great looking it's really well made uh fantastic performances athletic performances some mm-hmm. really really memorable songs and and it has something to say uh, yeah. So and that's I mean you're, you're, I'm never going to complain about that. So yeah, I I liked I wound up liking it quite a bit. I I'm going to give it a uh, a uh, enthusiastic recommendation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, about I had I'm like Steve. I hadn't seen this since probably high school, probably my freshman year in high school, and it was some school thing, right? And I think it was in either my English class somewhere in one of those classes where they split it up over. Two periods because it's a long, right? Yeah. And I thought, oh, I didn't like it then. I'm not going to like it now. And I had already picked my uh, recommendation because <laughs> I figured I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be stupid and goofy, just like I thought back then. And it was as I watched the opening sequence, which is almost dialogue free, of the two gangs escalating their fight until the cops show up that I went, uh-oh, this yeah. movie's good. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do now? <laughs> and the main reason I know that is because they were telling a so- story and setting up characters with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. It was all through dance and the way they're shot. You get this idea, and it, and they don't pull any punches as far as... They, they're not saying, we, we like this gang more than the other gang. The gang, when, they're, when we're, we're introduced to them and they're in the playground, everybody's afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And for a reason. They, are, they move like an organism down the street through the choreography. They're all looking at the same direction, moving in unison, right? There is a sense of menace and dread yeah. about this gang. And then they introduce the other gang, they, they introduce the sharks, and they have similar movements, but they're different, and still just as malevolent, and still just as artful. This movie is fake, in a good way. Uh-huh. They're not trying to make pretend this is really New York, at any point. All of their sets are austere, and just ugly. Just ugly. The playground is awful. The playground does not look like a place where kids go to have fun. No. It looks like a place where in the summer you go there and if you fall on the tar, you get sucked in. The, the streets aren't great. It's not a romanticized New York. There's nothing romanticized about the setting, and it's a modern setting. The sets they have designed are minimalist and straightforward so that you get a sense of tone and feeling rather than we spent this much money on the detail for all of this and we wanted to make sure that this was the actual fire escapes that they used and I didn't oh, fuck it. It was there to <laughs> it was there for design wise to tell the story visually and man alive does it ever. And the rooftop where they dance and they sing about America is so well done. And I'm still just talking about the technical aspects, yeah. the cinematography. When they're filming these guys roaming the streets, they have dolly shots where they're either walking directly towards camera or they're walking down the camera and the camera is following with them. And there are shots where they're completely obscured where you can't see where they are. You can't see them dancing, but you know that they're still there because the camera is still moving through shot and that they will appear. They play with that in a couple of things. They play with it specifically in that opening sequence when they're chasing Ber- when Bernardo and his two gangs, two, two uh, 
co-gang members chase them and they come around to the other side of the truck and the rest of the gang the rest of the the jets are there yeah very well done very artistically shot great use of color and tone and i don't care and neither do they that when Tony and Maria meet each other for the first time, that they've smeared Vaseline all over the camera lens so that you just <laughs> focus directly on them. It seems so hokey, and I did laugh out loud, but at that point, I was not expecting this to be realistic. They're doing it to set a tone that these people, it's love at first sight, just like in Romeo and Juliet, where they have narrowed in on each other instantaneously during this dance. I appreciate the adaptation from Romeo and Juliet because it adapted really, really well. A lot of the characters adapted from the Shakespeare version to this musical version really, really well. I think it carried the tone of the Shakespeare version to this musical really, really well all the way up to the ending. Um, I think it's very well adapted to translate. The script, thank God, is minimal. There's not a whole lot of talking. There's a whole lot of showing, yeah. not telling. And that's done through the dancers' movements. And it's, de- it's done, they, they understand, we're going to get it. Don't, we're not going to treat you stupid. We're not going to have to say things out loud unless we absolutely have to. Um, the performances, for the most part, are good. Singing, here's the thing. that I, the, the singing doesn't sound professional, even though a lot of these guys had singing doubles, mm-hmm. right? They seemed to be off-key from the music, and that had to be on purpose. So it lent a more realistic version of these are just kids in this, even though most of them are probably way over 20 years old in this. Um, And it led to, uh, once again, to this unrealistic version that you wind up getting involved in. By the time intermission is over, I'm like, I already know the ending to this. That poor sucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I'm wondering how they're going to do it, how it's going to, how they're going to translate it. Because remember, in Romeo and Juliet, it was it was again a mixed message, right? And and magic pills that make people look like they're dead, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm so glad that Maria didn't kill herself at the end of this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I am so glad that instead of having her go, "Mom, I'm boyfriend," clack, and stabbing herself in the breast. <laughs> That she lives and she is, for whatever reason, she's empowered by rage. That in this in this final sequence where she's swinging the gun around, she's like, "Give me, you know, give me the gun." How do? And then as soon as she gets it in her hand, she says, "How do you shoot it?" And she points it directly at his head. Yeah. And he is the one that killed him. Who killed Tony? Mm-hmm. The movie's good. It's still good. That's yeah. It makes me more afraid of this fucking remake that's coming. I don't know, we're going to make it super realistic. Please don't. The art, the artistry involved in this, and it's obviously fake, is, what, is one of the better aspects of the film. The dance hall has blood red walls that are, th- what, two stories high, but I mean, they look at least 75 feet high. <laughs> They're dirty. They have like this kind of grunge coming down from the top, so it's, you know that it's not some ornate you know, great place, but it's so striking because it's the most amount of color we've seen in the entire film and will see in the entire film um, that I have a sneaking suspicion that David Lynch likes this movie. <laughs> oh, I think that I would guess David Lynch loves this movie. Yeah. Simply because of the set design, simply because of how they managed to, um, 
how they managed to provide so much information to the audience without it being exposition, mm -hmm. without, you know, there are weird transitions in there. The transition from Maria putting her dress on to being at the, at the, uh, at the ball. I have no idea who made that decision. Oh, she's going to start twirling, and then it's going to get all weird and freaky, and then you're going <laughs> to think, I'm having an acid trip. And then all of a sudden you're going to be in the... Be at the uh, the ball. Yeah. The cinematography for the dancing is perfect. They know exactly when to be in close and exactly when to be panned out to show up, so that the dancers can show off how fucking talented they are. And um, I don't know. This is the first time that I I think modern dance had started to trickle into musical theater because you can see a lot of modern dance aesthetic aesthetic in the dance sequences for the film. So. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I was surprised. I didn't mind having to scramble back and find something that I didn't want to recommend. It's good. <laughs> Steve? Yeah? Do you have something you don't want to recommend? Oh, boy, do I ever. It's Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. No, but that would have been a good one. That that would have been a good one. Um, no, my, my not recommendation. It is a musical. Um, it is generally considered one of the worst musical films ever made. It's also sometimes thought of as uh, it makes the list of worst movie ever made. So oh, Jesus. Um, it's not one of the more famous ones. But if you if you know about like, you know, notoriously bad movies, you've probably heard of this. Uh, and it's a movie from 1980. And when I tell you who produced and directed and directed it, that will tell the entire story before I even tell you the name of the movie. It was OK. It was produced by Yoram Globus. Oh, no. And it was directed by Menachem Golan. No, no. That's right. It's a canon movie. <laughs> it's a canon movie musical that uh, takes place in the future, but is also a biblical allegory and a science fiction movie and a musical. Okay. And it's called The Apple. Oh, Jesus. It stars no one. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. It's it random. It stars a bunch of nobodies and also randomly Joss Ackland, who is a fantastic character actor. I have no idea what he's doing in this. Money. <laughs> but exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, a a movie musical about a, a a at the time a futuristic music festival in the '90s. So it was that was the future back then. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just not good. It's, it's, it is, it is considered, uh, like I said, not just one of the worst musicals ever made, but uh, one of the worst movies ever made. Which, you know, when you hear that it was produced and directed by Golan Globus, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That that <laughs> tracks. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if you if you like musicals, I would not recommend it. If you like uh, watching really really awful movies. Mm -hmm. I guess I would recommend it for that, but it helps to watch it with somebody, so you have somebody to make jokes to and laugh laugh at it with. But generally speaking, I would not recommend the Apple. So there you go. My turn. Yes. As you guys know, I like to take a movie from the same year as the movie we just reviewed, and it's 1961. And this wasn't the only adaptation of Romeo and Juliet that uh, was out in theaters. There's another one 
written and directed and starring Peter Ustinov. And it's kind of follows it, but doesn't really. I think he saw The Mouse That Roared too many times, but he made a movie that features mostly about the United Nations and some made-up fucking country, and I don't know if it's a comedy or a drama. I don't know, because it wasn't good enough, and it was called Romanoff and Juliet. Oh, boy. (laughs) Don't. Don't. I don't think you'll find it. I don't think it's on DVD. I don't think it's on anything. It's a don't film for Jason. Don't. It's stupid, and I hate it. It stars Peter Usinoff and Sandra D. And has she been in anything good? No. Don't. <laughs> this is one of Daddy Jason's don'ts. Don't. Just That's, don't. Just don't, please. Hey, Steve, guess what? <gasps> hey, Steve, guess what? It, is, hey, it, Steve. is it time for me to make a terrible choice? No, it's 104 degrees, and I want to end the show now because oh. I need to get off of this because I'm just sitting in a puddle of my own sweat. I'm going to dehydrate soon. For those of you who don't know, I don't have any air conditioning because the air conditioner broke, and so it's like I don't know how hot it is outside, but birds birds are dead. There are dead birds outside now, and I'm, I'm going to die. So you know what you know what time it is. You know what we're going to do. Just say it. Right. Say it, we're Steve. We're going to pick the next movie. Do? It's time to make a terrible choice. It's time for Steve to make a terrible yeah. choice. As you know, I, I pick three movies, and Steve has to pick A, B, or C so that you will know what movie we're going to review the next time around. And yeah. Steve, I'm going to give you this thing. You know, we're pretty selfish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're pretty selfish. The only time we ever do sports movies if is if they're goddamn fucking masterpieces like Rocky mm-hmm. about boxing. True. Or or um, Raging Bull about boxing. Uh, that's true, yeah. And then the rest of the time, it's our jerk-off sessions about baseball yeah, movies. Yeah, you, you, you got a point there. The only, those are the only sports we cover, boxing and baseball. Are there other sports? Shut up. There are other sports, and this is our opportunity to review uh, some other kind of sport or sporting event. Okay, okay. And the only thing that really ties them together is that it's mostly kids. <laughs> okay. Now people are going, oh, are they going to re-review the Bad News Bears? Maybe, but it's going to be the same thing. It's a goddamn masterpiece, and it's our favorite baseball movie, so <laughs> I don't know what you're going to be getting out of that other than a whole hour and a half, but this time it's sports... And kids, so pick one, A, B, or C, do it. Okay, under that kind of pressure, I'm just going to say it. Uh, I pick C. God damn it. You asked me to do this. This was your idea. <sighs> You're going to be more upset than me. Okay, I, I'm sure I will be. I often am. <laughs> Had you chosen A, we would have watched the 80s classic, The Karate Kid. Oh, shit. You're right. I am mad. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. Okay, all right, all right. Had you chosen B... We would have watched the 90s classic, a movie I've never seen, but only know through people talking about it all the fucking time. The hockey kids movie, The Mighty Ducks. Okay. But you chose C. Oh, boy. A movie that I don't know, I have, I've never had any interest in seeing, <laughs> but enough people have recommended it as a great movie for kids in sports. We're going to see the football movie, Rudy. I've never seen that. Well, maybe we'll be like, yay, it's so good. It's such a great movie. Maybe. He wanted, he wanted to be a football player, and then he becomes a football player. There, I just did the plot. You just, yay. You just spoiled the whole I movie. I hated it. Done. We don't have to do it now. Now pick the Karate Kid, you piece of shit. He wanted to be a football player, and then he was I need to one. St- 
I need to start lying. You do. If you pick the wrong one, I'm going, oh, you picked the Karate Kid. Good for you. Yeah, I, I've told you that from the beginning, from when you started doing this gimmick. Like, just I don't. But know, I'm I don't know what the I don't know what the letters are. Just make some shit up and do whatever one you wanted to do in the first place. But I'm honest. I want it to be the illusion of choice. Ah. So that's it. If you guys want to get all the jokes, and please watch Rudy. I have no opinion on this movie at all. I have not heard good things. I have not heard bad things. I know it was a movie, and apparently people like it. You can't say Sean Astin's name without them bringing up Rudy. Oh, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I mean, even Lord of the Rings didn't get rid of Rudy for him. I bet he was probably he was probably <laughs> thinking, oh, man, this Lord of the Rings thing. Finally, I'm, I'm going to escape the shadow of Rudy. Nope. Mm-hmm. And that's it, guys. Thanks for tuning in once again. I honestly mean that now that this is on video too. And if you guys want to see these videotaped things that we do, which has extra footage of us being not funny at each other, then please <laughs> go to Patreon and become a patron. And then you can see our ugly mugs as yeah. we talk about these films. You can see how sweaty and how much every day I become more and more like Orson Welles. <laughs> I just need to be drunk more. <laughs> um, but thanks, guys, for tuning in. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Hey, I got a social disease. Oh, Jesus. Why are you so excited about that? Why it, are you so excited? Because I never had one of those before. Do you know which one you have? Yeah. Can you describe your symptoms? Um, it's a, a, it's a, a thick yellow discharge. Okay. Have you ever been tested for one of these before? Nope. Okay. Well, do you see this nine-inch long <laughs> rod well, here? What are you going to do with that? Well, this goes in a particular place because well, it's the only way we can whoa, whoa. test. Where does it go? Hold on. Wait well, a minute. Well, first, but you need to pull your pants why, down. Why do I have to do that? You have to pull your pants well, down and do it now. Oh. Okay, but tell me what you're going to do with that first. I'll tell you once your pants are off. Same time. Okay, fine. Okay. Same time. Three, two, one. Pants off. Penis. Ah! <laughs> but you'll get a lollipop after. What color? And about 15 shots of penicillin. <laughs> what what color lollipop can I pick? Purple. Ah. The government issue. They only have purple. Oh. What color did you want? Green. Wait a minute. Okay, I'm stopping this stupid sketch. <laughs> green lollipop? I always wanted green. the green one, yeah. What flavor is that supposed to be? I don't know. Lime? Can't, sour apple? I don't know. It, it's, it, what kid goes, mm, oh boy, limes. If you walk into the backyard. <laughs> Not a kill for a lime. That's what I always said as a child. If you walked into a backyard, you had a bowl of purple grapes and you had a bowl of limes. I would, Which bowl would still be full? I would eat that well, lime was, rind and all. Yeah, if it was you and your friends, all the friends would be eating We'd be eating grapes, and you'd be standing there eating a lime like an apple. <laughs> Thanks for the limes, chums. Gee, fellas. <laughs> I, if you eat a lime, you prevent rickets. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big shot in my neighborhood because we had the lime tree. Is that true? No, we did have a couple of apple trees, but we didn't have lime trees, no. But if you had the lime I tree, I begged my father to plant them. You'd be them. a big I, shot. <laughs> I, I begged my father. I begged my father to plant lime trees. I said, "Papa, please, may we have lime trees?" And he told me the story of Icarus and said, "Careful not to fly too high, my son." <laughs> Wait, you had apple trees? We had two apple trees. Yeah. Were they edible apples? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We they were had, actually sweet. We we act. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. 
We actually had apple trees, yeah. We only had two. You know what I yeah. had in my backyard? What? A kick in the mouth with a steel boot. <laughs> like Robert Stack in Airplane. You ever, <laughs> exactly been, you ever right. been kicked in the face with an iron boot? No, I'm sorry. Of course you have it. That never happens. Bad example. <laughs> Forget I said it. Forget I said that. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.